in the books of First and Second Timothy, we are told that there are certain things and people that we are to avoid. Such things that we are to avoid would be one: uh, we're to avoid a pseudo intellectualism, a pseudo intellectualism, a false intellectualism. We're hearing a lot these days about fake news. That is news that is not founded in reality. That is news with a, an agenda, uh, false news. Well, there is such a thing as a false intellectualism, a hiding behind intellectualism that isn't a true seeking of the truth. And it is a false intellectualism for it in fact promotes error rather than truth. And there are a lot of false accusations that people make against the scriptures in the name of academia. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, it tells us this. So Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. This is not true knowledge. It's a, it's a false knowledge. The second thing we're to avoid is godless nonsense. Godless nonsense. In 2 Timothy 2.16, it says, avoid irreverent babble. Irreverent babble. Irreverent has the idea of godless. Babble is the idea of nonsense, just carrying on. It's the nonsense that results from talking about a god and then denying the very power of that god. Denying the miracles, uh, denying the virgin birth, denying creation, denying all that that god does. And so today, we look at the third admonition, and that is people that we are to avoid are those who claim to be godly, but in their actions contradict their profession of faith. Notice verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. People that have an appearance of godliness are those that would tend to make professions of faith. And they would do certain things that one would expect that people of faith would do. For example, they pray. They attend church. They read the scriptures. They follow the basic trappings of worship that anyone would who is born again and has a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Outwardly, they have the appearance of godliness. But at the very same time, they deny its power. They deny its power. By their lifestyle, they contradict the change in life that is introduced by the gospel and the Holy Spirit that is given to us. So we find earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, as we think about this power, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love and self-control. So these are people that they have the trappings of godliness, but deny love, deny self-control. They are living very uncontrolled, very ungodly lives at the same time that they're conducting in these religious activities. They are embarrassed by the gospel. 
In 2 Timothy 1.8, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But these are people who are ashamed of the gospel. These are people who are ashamed of the aspect that all people have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They are embarrassed by this God who requires that people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. They want a God that would accept everyone. They want a God that's uh, totally uh, tolerant of all religious faiths and, and activities. So they are embarrassed by the teachings of the scripture. And then they, of course, are unwilling to suffer for the cost cause of Christ. In 2 Timothy 1.8, where it says, share in the suffering for the gospel. These would be people that are unwilling to suffer. They, they are unwilling to um, pay the price, as it were, for putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So such people are to be avoided. This morning, we're going to look at the passage and develop the characteristics of the false teachers that we are to avoid. What are these people like? How do we identify them? What's the problem with them? Uh, what are we to learn from their avoidance of them? So first, characteristics of false teachers is that they exploit vulnerable people. False teachers exploit vulnerable people. 2 Timothy 3.6, back to our text. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. So the first thing we find about these false teachers is that they are deceptive. They are deceptive. It says that they creep into households. And we're looking at this word creep. They sneak in quietly. They sneak in quietly. They don't announce themselves. You know, false teachers don't knock on the door and say, hello, I'm a false teacher. Uh, people don't stand up and say, now before I begin preaching, I just want you to know I'm a false teacher. Okay? They don't announce themselves. They don't make themselves known. They creep in. They, they are crawling in. They are taking very small steps in introducing falsehood and unbelief into a group of people that that are believers, okay? And so they're trying to pass themselves off as one of the believers, but in actuality, they're, they're not. They, they are creeping in uh, as they present their false teaching. Secondly, false teachers take advantage of other people. They ensnare them. Notice the word capture in 2 Timothy 3.6. They creep in and capture. Capture weak women. They trap or ensnare others. They bring people under their spell. These are individuals that rather than help people, they actually harm them. They, they take advantage of them. They use people. False teachers exploit their hearers in a number of ways. Sometimes they exploit them sexually. Oftentimes, they exploit them financially. And we can read in Peter, I'm not going to take the time to look at false teachers, and there's a list of their characteristics and how they usually live a lifestyle of opulence. They live in luxury. They are taking advantage of their followers. There are numer numerous radio and TV ministries 
that swindle people out of great deals of money. There are cult leaders that we are all aware of, and I'm not gonna go through all the cult leaders, but how they have uh, exploited their followers. False teachers prey on the vulnerable. And now these vulnerable people are listed in a variety of ways. Their vulnerabilities, if you will, are varied. Some are people that are spiritually immature or naive. So they prey upon the spiritually immature or naive. That's found in this word that is translated in the ESV as weak women. Weak women. King James refers to them as silly women. NIV translates it as gullible women. Literally, in the Greek, it's little women. Little women. And the idea here is of people that are young in their faith, that are immature in their, their beliefs. And, you know, sometimes we think of teenage girls as being giddy and being silly. Well, the idea here is, is this immaturity of their religious faith. So the false teachers have a tendency to identify and pounce on people that are new to their faith. New believers are particularly vulnerable. The second area of vulnerability is over those that are overcome by their sinfulness. These are people that are particularly needy. Notice in 2 Timothy 3, 6, they are described as people that are burdened with sins. Burdened with sins. These are people who are enslaved to their sinfulness. Uh, we think of people that are addicted. Addicted. And there are many different kinds of addiction. And when people are addicted, they, if they want to get out, they become desperate in trying to get rid of their addictions. If people are dying and they hear that they are going to die, uh, they become desperate sometimes and will reach out to anybody that gives them any kind of hope. Anybody that extends to them a solution to their problem, they're going to have their ears open to. So here are people that are just overcome with their sinfulness, and they desperately are looking for a way out. They become incredibly vulnerable to false teaching. They want their life to change. And anything that promises them change, they're ready to listen to. They are desperate. Sometimes these people seek counsel. Sometimes these people seek miracle kinds of drugs. Sometimes these people are seeking miracle kinds of intervention. All of which this false prophet may be offering to them. The third area of vulnerability is people who follow their hearts and not their minds. Notice in 2 Timothy 3, 6, it's the words, led astray by various passions, giving you the whole verse, for among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, literally following their own desires. Rather than evidencing control that the Spirit gives, they evidence a lack of control. And they let their emotions rule them. They let what seems right overcome whatever the scripture may say as, as to what is right or wrong. They are not sitting down and 
analyzing what the Word of God has to say, but are responding from the hip, as it were, shooting from the hip. If it sounds good, if it has hope attached with it, if it seems to be beneficial, I'm in, says this particular kind of individual. They are not like the Bereans that are searching the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. But rather, this appeals to them. It sounds right. It moves them. And so they are taken in by these false teachers. They are captured by them. And then lastly, they prey upon people who are interested in spiritual things, but are unwilling to submit to the authority of the scriptures. For it tells us in verse 7, these people are always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. These are people that, that are, as I say, interested in spiritual things oftentimes novel things. There are individuals out there that enjoy thinking about the end times and love speculation about what's going to happen in the end times. What, what's the next order event? What's Russia going to do? How do all the things that are happening in uh, the world's affairs, how do they relate to the, what is going to happen next? These are, these are people that, that have an idle curiosity that they'd kind of like to know what's going to happen, but they don't have any real interest in a clear, thorough understanding of the Scriptures. You know, these are people that throw out this weighty question and want an answer in 15 seconds. Not really interested in a thorough, in-depth answer. And so they're ever learning. They're, they're, they're running to and fro. They are asking a multitude of people for their opinions. And they never, ever get settled. They, they never get to the place of commitment to the truth. They are described in Ephesians as those that are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Every new person that, that arises, the new book that comes out, the momentary uh, spiritual guru of the day, they tend to flock to, they listen to. They're the church hopper. They are the person that, that just wants to have their curiosity met. But don't come to a place of settled commitment to the authority of the scriptures. All of those people are extremely vulnerable. Second characteristic of false teachers is that they should be avoided is that they attack and call into question the truth. So these false teachers, what is basically wrong with them? Answer, they attack and call into question the truth. False teachers find fault with godly leaders and teachers. 2 Timothy 3.8, just as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so too these false teachers resist people of authority and truth. Now, Johnny's and Jambres are never mentioned by name in the scriptures. So we don't know who they are from the word of God. There is a strong Jewish tradition that links the names of Johnny's and Jambres to two of the magicians in the time of Moses that were in the court of Pharaoh. And if you remember when Moses came into Pharaoh's court and threw down his rod and became a snake. And the magicians threw down their rods and they became snakes. Um, 
according to Jewish tradition, that's who Johnny's and Jambres were. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. But that was the Jewish tradition. And so, as most people would have read this, that's who they would have thought of when they think of these individuals. What they are in here for is primarily as an example that here are people that oppose the truth. They oppose the truth. And we should see the deceptive nature of it in that they create a facsimile. They create something that's very close to the truth. He throws down his rods. They do a similar thing. This morning in Sunday school, if you're in my Sunday school class, I was talking about that that is a litmus test. That is a, a general truth about false teachers, and that is they, they try to identify with the truth. They, they, they have enough that's close enough to the truth that you listen to them, but they are distant enough from the truth that they're going to keep you from a saving knowledge of the true and living God. Well, these are people that are going to be opposing the truth. They're going to be taking on those that are adhering to the faith. In 2 Timothy, we're given another example. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul writes to Timothy and says this, 2 Timothy 4, 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Here is the opponent of the truth, Alexander being an example. Paul says there is this man, Alexander. We don't know an awful lot about Alexander and who he was, but he opposed the truth. He opposed Paul's message. He uh, evidently testified against Moses, uh, excuse me, I'm saying Moses Timothy, uh, Paul, I'll get it right. Uh, Alexander is testifying against Paul at his trial. He's trying to bring Paul down. He's trying to subservient Paul. He is battling against him. So false teachers have an agenda. They want to undermine not only the truth of the word of God, but also those that present that truth. So that brings us to the second characteristic, and that is that false teachers misrepresent the truth in their teaching. For notice it says in verse 8 that they not only oppose the truth, but men corrupted in mind. Men corrupted in mind. They have depraved minds. The thought is that they're their thought process is faulty. Their, far, their thought process is faulty. Now, um, faulty can simply mean that it is unreasonable. Unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes they intentionally misrepresent the truth, and sometimes they unintentionally represent the truth. Sometimes they are intentionally misrepresenting the truth. Sometimes they are unintentionally misrepresenting the truth. 
And sometimes it's a little bit of both. If you look at 2 Timothy 3.13, it says, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving, they are leading other people astray. They are intentionally making things up. They are intentionally twisting the scriptures. They are intentionally saying things that they know not to be true. And then they themselves are, at the same time, being deceived. They're being taken in by other people. And so they believe things they shouldn't. Jim Baker, of PTL club fame, um, wrote a book that was in, that's entitled, I Was Wrong. I Was Wrong. And it's his biography. And in that book, he talks about when he really came to know Christ as his Savior, and it was when he was in prison for fraudulent activities with PTL. And he says that at that time, he both knew that he was deceiving people, he knew that he was saying things that weren't true, and at the same time, he was being deceived because he believed things that weren't true. And he said that up until that time, he had never read his Bible through. He really didn't know what the Bible said. And here he was, this expositor, this, this teacher of the word, and he himself, at the same time, deceiving and being deceived. You, you, you need to be aware that there are people that are deceiving and being deceived. When I was in seminary, I had a strange uh, assignment from one of my Old Testament profs. Um, he was, wanted to make a, an illustration, and... Uh, he gave some assignments for people to uh, defend and teach different views uh, of future events. And he took me aside and he said, uh, I want you to defend this, truth, this, this position. And he said, we all know it's not right. But he said, I'm afraid that not everybody in here doesn't know that it's not right. And he said, I want you to do everything you can to try to convince people this is right. He said, I want you to mislead them to see if they really get what this is all about. And it was kind of a strange assignment to try to intentionally mislead people. But, uh, all right. And so what I did was I really uh, camped out in the minor prophets of the Old Testament because I knew that's what people knew the least. And I took things out of context. I made up definitions. I did all kinds of horrendous stuff and convinced about a third of the class that this is what the Word of God said. We need to be aware of imposters. We need to be uh, uh, aware that people make things up. And so we have to be on guard against false teaching. They are of corrupt minds. And then secondly, it just says they are disqualified regarding the faith. Re disqualified regarding the faith. Um, it's talking about conduct. It's talking about their behaviors. And their behavior disqualifies them. It's uh, back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says that a man is not going to receive a crown except he strive lawfully. If a person is going to be in a race, he has to compete according to the rules. 
And if he doesn't compete according to the rules, he's going to be disqualified. Well, here the idea is that a person is disqualified who in their conduct demonstrates that their profession of faith isn't genuine. That there's such a difference between what they profess and how they live that you know that their profession isn't genuine. Their behavior gives them away. They would never act this way if they really believed the truth. But because they act this way, it demonstrates that they do not believe the truth. In our text, it comes out in verse 13 of chapter 3. While evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse. So they are not promoting godliness, they are promoting ungodliness. And their teaching only goes from bad to worse. Not only in the teaching itself, but in the behaviors that are associated with it. Okay? They act more and more ungodly. They say more and more crazy things. They say more and more outlandish things. They get farther and farther away from the truth of the scriptures. Back earlier, Paul wrote concerning uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, saying concerning the truth of Aird, and overthrow the faith of some, and says that their word will eat as does a gangrene, okay? spreading <laughs> disease, bringing harm, not leading to righteousness and holiness, but pe leading people away from the truth of God. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah addresses the false prophets of his day and says this, but in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. The, the, the biggest problem with false teachers is, is that they encourage, they strengthen, they reinforce people's ungodly behavior. They soothe their conscience. They tell them, it's okay. Everyone does it. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing for you to feel guilty about. This isn't sin. This is the way you were created. This is the way you were made. This isn't your fault. This is somebody else's fault. And they encourage them. They strengthen their hands. They say, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to look out for number one. It's okay to love yourself more than you love your neighbor. It's okay to put your pleasures before God. And they strengthen people in their wrongdoing. They encourage them in their sinfulness. They lead them astray. The third characteristic of false teachers, and why they should be avoided, is that false teachers will be exposed and come to nothing. False teachers will not be successful in the end. 2 Timothy 3.9, it says, but they will not get very far. They will not get very far. God's uh, false teachers are not going to prevail against the truth of the word of God. When it says that they're not going to get very far, it doesn't mean that they can't have done a lot of damage. It doesn't mean that, that false teachers can't get a following. You know, uh, we think of that... Uh, person, I should have looked it up, I wasn't thinking about it, it just came to my mind, that's dangerous. But the person who took everybody off and ended up 
drinking the, the juice. Who, who was that? Jim Jones, okay. Uh, started off pretty orthodox. Started off as a minister of the gospel. Started off as a preacher teaching love, etc., etc. Leading people astray, encouraging them in their sinfulness. And sneak into their houses, get them to follow his way. Uh, led a lot of people to their deaths in Guyana. But eventually he was exposed. Eventually you saw him for what he is. So often with false teachers, they get so abhorrent. They, they go so far off the deep end that you see what they're really like. But in the meantime, they've wreaked havoc. In the meantime, they've, they've done great damage. In the meantime, they've under people, undermined people's faith. Just as in Hymenaeus and Philetus, it says their, their uh, teaching spreads like a gangrene and they overthrow the faith of some. There are good people. There are born-again Christians that get taken in by false teachers. And they are unfortunately scammed and sometimes lose millions of bucks. Sometimes people are sexually exploited. All kinds of things happen to weak, naive, immature Christians who follow some of these false teachers. Tells us the mindlessness of these false teachers will become apparent. Um, Verse 9. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all. Uh, Folly is mindlessness. It is, it is absolute foolishness. It's craziness. It's absurdity. That after a while, these false teachers, some of them get so bad that what they say is just absurd. So using Jim Jones again as an example, and some of you younger people might not know who he was, but at the very end, he started saying such outlandish people that even his followers knew that he was crazy. Even his followers were aware that this guy is nuts. And by the time they got to the place where they're having this mass suicide and drinking the juice, he has armed guards all the way around the compound where they're living. And these armed guards were not to keep people uh, from coming in. They were to keep people from getting out. Because people were understanding, this guy is nuts. And while some of them drank the juice at the end that brought about their suicide, did so willingly and freely, most of them were compulsed to do so at gunpoint. It was apparent by then, but it was too late. Okay. But these guys get so nuts that it becomes apparent, even to their followers, that this isn't the truth. Well, you don't want to get there. You don't want to end up there. So much better to be wise early on and to be discerning and to practice what this says, and that is avoid them. Stay away from them. Don't get involved with that kind of stuff. And ultimately, these individuals are going to be judged just as Johnny's and John Gray's were. For it tells us in the end of verse 9 that uh, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these two men. And if these two men are indeed these two magicians, uh, 
it was in the judgments that God brought against the land of Egypt that these magicians were shown to be what they are. And certainly in the time of judgment, in the day in which everyone is going to have to stand before God and give an account, these individuals are going to be revealed for the false teachers that they are. And they're going to be banished to a everlasting hell. Uh, they will be plain. It will be revealed. You can be sure, if not in this life, in the life to come. Judgment will come upon them. And obviously, we don't want to share in that judgment, so we want to avoid them. The whole idea here is that false teaching isn't harmless. And there's a tendency a lot of times to put up with false teaching because the person is nice, uh, the, the, the person is gregarious, they're outgoing, they seem loving, they seem kind, they say so much good, they do so many good things, they have so much truth that surrounds the false teaching that it's easy to eat the arsenic with the pudding. You don't taste it, you just, oh well, they're off in a few little areas, but what does it really matter? This passage of teaching, it matters a big deal. It matters a big deal. Vulnerable people are getting taken. Uh, they're undermining the truth of the word of God and they're undermining those that teach the truth. They're, they're opponents. And eventually, their destruction is going to come upon themselves and upon others. So avoid false teaching with a 10-foot pole. So what are we going to learn from this? Three things. Number one, that we ourselves don't help establish false teachers, that we don't give them any credibility, that we don't um, tolerate false teaching. And uh, last week, I said there's a difference between people who teach falsehood and false teachers. Uh, the best of teachers sometimes say things that are inaccurate. We try to be truthful, we try to be accurate, but even the best of scholars are going to make mistakes from time to time. But when they do, they are willing to own them. <laughs> they're willing to admit it. They're, they're willing to submit to the truth of Scripture, that when they find out that what they said was wrong, they're willing to correct themselves. So we need to be careful when we become heretic hunters that we don't make every person under the sun a false teacher. But there's a world of difference between a person who's making an honest mistake and a person who knows better. A person who knows that what they're saying isn't true. And for me, one of the things that just bugs the daylights out of me is people that are incredibly knowledgeable, that have advanced degrees, and I'm certainly not against advanced degrees. I appreciate people with their doctorates. I'm not against that. Please understand what I'm saying. But there are people who hide behind this false intellectualism, and they know that what they're saying isn't true. They know that what they are saying is not right. Time and time again, I read, you know, I, I read stuff that people write, and, they, and, and they'll say, you know, the Greek says this, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't say that. 
And there's no way to get it out of there. The person who's saying that knows that they are lying. But nobody else knows that they're lying. There's a world of difference. The people who attack the very basic doctrines of the Word of God, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, that kind of false teaching isn't a harmless mistake. That's an outright fraud and deception and opposes the truth and the teachers of the truth. We must be careful that we don't give any credibility at all to false teachers. And the best way to do that is to avoid them. Separate from them is what he's telling them to do. Avoid them. Secondly, we must be on guard of being ensnared by them. Okay? Uh, be knowledgeable. Be knowledgeable about who you are following. Be knowledgeable about what you are reading. Be knowledgeable about who you're getting your teaching from in the Word of God. And we're going to find this week, and especially next week, that one of the things that we're to evaluate is the life of the teacher. The life of the teacher. Know the individual. Know their lives. Know whether or not what they say is reinforced by the way in which they live. So Paul says to Timothy in the next section, you know my life, you know my persecutions, you know this, you know that, you know your, your mother, you know what they were like, okay? Follow these people, follow people you know. We live in a day and age in which many, many people are following people they don't know. Meaning that they know nothing about their personal lives. They don't know, know nothing about their conduct. They know nothing about their behavior with their wife, their children. They don't know how they are living, okay? We follow authors. People read books of individuals of which they don't know anything. It's becoming more and more commonplace that people don't know their pastors, that people are streaming in videos of the pastor preaching, and he never even is a part of their own congregation. He's preaching in another congregation. And I'm not saying that is always wrong. What I am saying is we are becoming insensitive to this very important part is you need to know the life of the person you are following. Is their lifestyle matching what they are saying? Don't be ensnared by people who are preaching one thing and living a different way. And then lastly, realizing that these false teachers are not a source of help, but of harm. They are not the answer to our problems. They are a cause of greater problems. They won't deliver us from our bondage. They will just bring us into a new and different and greater kind of bondage. So beware of false teachers. Let's pray. Our Father, help us as we study your word. Uh, 
Help us to be spiritually mature. Help us to be understanding. Help us to not just study, but also to be arriving at the truth. Lord, may we not approach the scriptures with just idle curiosity. May we not just be dabbling in end times events and like to know this or that about some oddity in the scriptures, but Lord, help us to study the scriptures so that we might live them, so that we might obey them, so we might subservient ourselves to them. Oh Lord, uh, give us discernment in what we read, what we listen to, uh, the teaching that we are under. Uh, Lord, uh, help us all here that are teaching others. May we teach the truth and may we point people to the truth. May we point people to your word as the ultimate authority and encourage people to study the scriptures to see if these things are so. Uh, Lord, guard and protect us. Uh, may your work prosper and may the evil one come to frustration and ruin. Lord, we know ultimately that is going to be the end, but even in the day in which we live, Lord, uh, we would pray that you'd bring an end to much of the false teaching that exists uh, within Christendom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.